Hello, so hello, hello guys. I'm back with the analysis for for the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, I'm back for the analysis for Prince Caspian. Uh, I'm back with the analysis for Prince Cap for the book from. Uh, sorry, guys. Um, so I'm back to do the analysis for chapters four, five, and six for the Chronicles of Narnia's Prince Caspian. Um, so, yeah, uh, first thing I want to do is I noticed when I went back to listen to, um, a reaction slash commentary to Don't Miss Albums, Episode 2, Flaw Endangered Species, what I noticed is, is that, um, is that the, the first three songs are cut out and the, 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 the episode starts on the fourth track, Wait For Me. So what I'm gonna take a moment to do here is I'm going to do I'm going to um, complete it. Uh, I'm going to um, react slash comment on the first three tracks, which on this album, which are and if you guys this is flaw. So the if um flaw this is flaw and the album is called Endangered Species. So I'm gonna do the commentary for the first three songs. Which are Medicaid, endangered species, and recon and recon recon recognize, recognize. I don't know why I struggle to say that. It's recognize, yeah. So, yeah. So that's what we're gonna do to start this. Uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, analysis off. So here we go. the endangered species album off with a wake you up crunchy guitar riff bouncing between the left and right stereo channels i really enjoy this technique when used correctly and in this instant it most definitely is the heavy guitar and bass weigh this song down and anchor this song's structure allowing bowls to play around with his vocals a bit clean vocals harmonizing over that guttural growl during the chorus adds so much more depth to the song and in my opinion delivers this track to be one of my favorites on the album so um i agree with everything he just said um there's not much to say other than that it's a good opener to the album medicate was actually one of the first tracks i heard from endangered species and for a long time it was the only song i liked from the album uh um before because even when i had heard i i had heard um you've changed and endangered species and you've changed i didn't like i when i first heard them i didn't like them that much but now um, Endangered Species is like my is like one of my favorite songs on the album. So it's like, it's like, 
I, I don't know what, what, um, I don't know what I was thinking when I first heard it, but now Endangered Species is my, is one of my favorite songs on the album, and, uh, yeah, so I agree with everything he said with Medicate, um, um, but drums are my favorite instrument, and what's going on with the drums, the instruments and the drums, with how he, um, is going, he's repeatedly hitting the snare and the, uh, um, how the drummer is repeatedly hitting the, um, snare and the, uh, floor tom, it's so, it's so nice, um, but, uh, yeah, so next song is Endangered Species, so here we go. The album's title track, Endangered Species, punches in right after the guitar fade out of track one. And what a punch it is. Havertape's tribal rhythms on the drums, along with that ominously heavy guitar riff, build the song nicely. And Bowles' vocal range continue the trend. My favorite part of this song is the bridge. If you listen closely, you can hear whispering in the background, which is also bouncing from left to right. abruptly allowing a couple of seconds of space before recognize rim shots all right so yeah everything you just said about endangered species um i agree uh makai haver tapes tribal rhythms on the drums to start off the song is so good like all my tribal rhythms are um i like them a lot um they're seriously like um the drummer for disturbed he does a lot of tribal rhythms, and whenever I hear tribal rhythms, they are so good for when they do tribal rhythms and for, like, for use them for drum patterns. It's so nice. Like, immediately when Endangered Species starts off, you immediately get hooked. Like, it, seriously, it's heavy. Like, it's one of those songs that hypes you up. Like, this is that song, and... Just everything about it. Oh my. It's so good. Seriously. Um, and repeatedly, I have been listening to Endangered Species and Recognize over and over. Um, um, instead of listening to the entire album, I've been listening to Endangered Species and Recognize because over and over because they're basically a two piece. Like you have a heavy song and then you have a semi, you have a slow slash heavy song. So, yeah, um, yeah, so Endangered Species, um, if you go, if you guys go check out the original, uh, video, um, the original episode, then, um, you guys know that, um, I, sh I, I showed the bridge and the ending of the song, 
both of which are so good. Um, but uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to Endangered Species, uh, not just the album, but but the but the song Endangered Species, the title track for the album, go listen to it. If you get anything from this episode today, go listen to Endangered Species and also throw in Recognize, but especially Endangered Species. All right. I, like I said before in that, like I said in that um, episode, the original episode, I hope this is record. I hope you guys can hear the audio. Killer bass work and crying guitar wails kick this track off. And again, Vol's vocals finds a way to not only fit into the song's mix well, but transcend the track into something greater. and crunchy, which leads to the background vocals unleashing in the chorus, just to drop you right back down again to start all over, much like life. So yeah, everything he said about recognize, once again, I agree. Recognize? Oh man, um, wow. What a track. Seriously, the vocalist's voice on this track uh, truly shines, um, he has a very powerful voice, which I said in the original episode many, many times. Uh, but it's true. It's 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 not. I'm not just saying that to say that. He has a very nice voice, and and um, it sounds his his voice sounds so nice. And then with it also being a powerful voice, it just it 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 just it just works so well. Um, and um. Yeah, so like like I said before, if you guys take anything from this episode, go listen to Endangered Species and Recognize. Seriously, guys, they, those two are good songs. If you want to listen to the entire album, you can do that. But Endangered Species and Recognize, please, please, if you guys, you guys don't have to, but seriously, they are, if you guys like the samples, of if you if you guys liked the little taste that the that um was played then if you're if new metal is your type of music then go listen to it but if it's not then you know don't listen to it but if it is seriously go listen to it please please man they're so good anyways um so that's that and um 
Now on to the main order of business today. Now on to the main thing for today's episode, which is the analysis, the the summary, the summaries and analysis for chapters four, five, and six of Prince Caspian. So uh, here we go. Um, Prince Caspian, chapter four, the dwarf tells of Prince Caspian. Chapter summary. This chapter tells of Prince Caspian, a prince of Narnia who lives with his uncle and aunt, King Mira, King Miraz, and Queen Prunaprismia. One day, during a walk with his uncle, Prince Caspian mentions that his nurse has told him all about the old days of Narnia, of when there were talking of when there were talking trees, animals, and dwarfs, and, and dwarfs, and of the White Witch, the king, and of the White Witch, the kings and queens at Care Paravel and Aswan. King Miraz becomes very ups- upset and tells Cap- Caspian that these were just children's stories, that there is no Aslan or talking animals, and there never was. The next day, Caspian learns that his beloved nurse has been sent away and replaced by a tutor, Dr. Cornelius. Dr. Cornelius tells Prince Caspian that he is not a native Narnian, but a Telmarine, and this is why Caspian I is called Caspian the Conqueror. Dr. Cornelius then evades the prince's many questions about Narnia and its history. And its history. A few days later, Dr. Cornelius tells Caspian that they are going to view uh, a, a strong, uh, astronomical phenomenon that night, and that Caspian needed to be prepared for a middle-of-the-night lesson. When the time comes, Dr. Cornelius awake, awakens Caspian, and the two sneak, sneak up to a high tower. Dr. Cornelius shows Caspian the the astronomy he spoke of, but this turns out to be a pretense for telling Caspian the true story of Narnia. Dr. Cornelius tells Caspian that everything he has heard about Narnia is true, is true, including the talking trees and animals, Care Paravel, the kings and queens, the white witch, and Aslan. Dr. Cornelius is Dr. Cornelius also reveals that he himself is half dwarf. He tells Caspian that the woods by the sea are not haunted. This is just a, a rumor, a rumor that the kings and queens over time have made up because they do not want their citizens looking over the sea, looking over the sea toward Aslan's country. Dr. Cornelius and Prince Caspian leave the tower, and Caspian agrees never to speak of this conversation again outside of the tower. Uh, um, reflection, the reflection. Sorry for the silence. Ah, uh, so I guess so. Um, uh, so Laura, Laura, and I saw the giver this past weekend. I'm writing this on Monday, August 18th in theaters. It was a pretty good rendition of the 1993 book by Lewis Lowry, despite a few major changes. The story focuses on a young boy in a utopian slash dystopian society where things like color, weather patterns, and various concepts like love and hate have been eliminated from society. Interestingly, reading the fourth chapter of Prince Caspian is not completely different from from the situation that is presented in The Giver. The Telmarines have obviously invaded Narnia, have obviously invaded Narnia around ten, ten, around ten generations ago, ago, and in the time since, time since, 
The story of this conquering has been warped and changed. The leadership of Narnia is now even lying to its citizens, implying that there are ghosts ghost in the woods by the coast when really, when really they want to keep their citizens away from the sea where Aslan comes from. What's more, King Miraz obviously has an awareness of Narnia's, of Narnia's history. So if it's a bit of a governmental gover, governmental conspiracy to keep Narnia, Narnia's citizens, citizens unaware <coughs> excuse me, unaware of Narnia's history. I never looked at it. I never I never thought of it that way. It actually makes a lot of sense. Because the way that they're keeping the way that they the um they don't want their the citizens to know about about um about Narnia's history, they're keeping it they're keeping what they know a secret. They don't want them to know. So they're they're keeping it a secret and that's why they have um made it to where they have like as as uh, they have warped it and made up a story that ghosts um that ghosts are you know um what's it called um that ghosts are in the woods by the coast yeah so yeah um in the same way that the United States generally ignores Native American culture. At least we don't pretend that it doesn't exist. The Telmarines have been taught to ignore, or rather forget, that true Narnians ever existed in the first place. To say that they still exist would be even more dangerous indeed, because this, because this could imply the possibility of a resurgence or a rebellion. And indeed, like the Giver, there's apparently a system for getting rid of those who still speak about the presence of original Narnians. The nurse is sent away after Prince Caspian reveals that she has been telling him the stories where sent away is where sent away is remains where sent away is remains ambiguous, but we just can't imagine that it's somewhere nice that the nurse is gone. I completely agree, because yeah, he's right. Sent away is very vague, but it's either maybe maybe you know, yeah, maybe so. It definitely can't, couldn't be. It definitely wouldn't be somewhere nice. So I agree with that. <coughs> Excuse me. Thus, we see many themes. Thus, we see many themes from the giver, from the giver emerging in this chapter. Clearly, Narnia has moved out of its golden age and into a more dystopian esque society. What? what what remains to be seen is why Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy have returned to Narnia. But I would be willing to bet that the plot of this story tells tells of the end of this dystopian society and the return of the true owners of the land, the original or old Narnians. The question is, how? I'm left feeling that this wasn't a very insightful reflection, but some days I'm better than others, and some chapters are pretty and some chapters are easier to think insightful insightfully about than others. This one, I think, gives us a pretty obvious direction for the plot, if I know anything about the T-Con series, for T-Con for short. Obviously, it's the chron the Chronicles of Narnia. But T-Con, that's a good abbreviation, actually. But moving on. Uh, this one, I think, 
Uh, I'll just read it again. This one, I think, gives us a pretty obvious direction for the plot. For the plot, if I know anything about the TCON series. Time will tell. Perhaps I will be more interesting tomorrow. Perhaps not. Um, so, yeah. That was the reflection for Chapter 4. Now, we're going to move on to uh, Chapter 5. going to start a new episode. All right. Continuing on here, uh, Prince Caspian, Chapter 5, Caspian's Adventure in the Mountains, Chapter Summary. Prince Caspian and Dr. Cornelius have many more conversations in the tower about old Narnia. One night, Dr. Cornelius wakes up Caspian in the middle of the night. Dr. Cornelius tells Caspian that King Miraz is a usurper, that Prince Caspian himself is the son of Caspian the Ninth, and that he is King Caspian the Tenth. Apparently, King Miraz killed Caspian the Ninth and slowly usurped the throne. Prince Caspian, if I botched that word, then um, my bad. Prince Caspian learns that he is being told this because Queen Prunaprismia has just birthed a son during that night. Dr. Cornelius tells Caspian that King Miraz did not mind the thought of Caspian being his, his heir, but now that King Miraz has a son of his own, he will likely try to kill Prince Caspian. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and as a result, Caspian must leave immediately. Doctor Cornelius gives Prince Caspian a golden a golden purse filled with food for his journey, and Queen Susan's magical horn, which he has gone through which he has gone through great lengths to to acquire. Doctor Cornelius explains explains that the horn will call aid to the one who blows it and could even call former kings and queens of Narnia, or Aslan himself. Fitted with his sword, purse, and horn, Caspian flees on his horse, Destrier, 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 I don't know how to pronounce the horse's name, sorry. Uh, Caspian travels all night, and the next day always moving, so always moving south toward Archenland to find King Nain, per Dr. Cornelius' instruction. The second night, Caspian is traveling through a forest at the foot of a mountain when a storm moves in. The horse becomes agitated and runs uncontrollably. Something hits Caspian and he blacks out. Caspian awakes to the sound of three voices arguing arguing about his fate. Ca <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry for all the coughing. Caspian learns quickly that the voices are that the voices are of of true true old Narnians, a beaver named Truffle Hunter, a dwarf named Nickabrick, and another dwarf named Trumpkin. They have found Caspian after he blacked out. Um I'm sorry to say this, but um it's not Truffle Hunter is not a beaver. He's a badger, but anyways. Um, they had found Caspian after he blacked out. While the three are torn about Caspian's fate, Caspian tells them his story, tells them his story, only further complicating, only further complicating the decision. Caspian says that he has been searching for old Narnians all his life. Truffle, Hunt, Truffle Hunter, Nickabrick, and Trumpkin then argue about the legitimacy of the stories about King Peter and Aslan. Reflection. 
another prince runs to Archenland. The story should be pretty familiar. In The Horse and His Boy, we followed Shasta, Shasta as he fled north toward Archenland. And now in Prince Caspian, we are following Caspian as he flees south toward Archenland. A chance encounter with the peoples of the forest? That too should be familiar from the line of which in the wardrobe. <clears throat> this chapter also answers a few questions that were probably troubling us, particular, particularly the answer to what happened to Susan's horn. We can have a pretty clear guess now about what this horn, horn will do, given that Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy have seemingly miraculously returned to Narnia without trying, without trying to get there at all. I suspect that Caspian finally finally blew the horn. My primary thoughts about this chapter reflect around the plot that occurs. After all, it is a very plot-filled chapter. I agree. I, I I agree with that. I can always tell by the length I can always tell by the length of my summary. It is much like the horse and his boy, a coming of age story. Indeed, it follows much of the characteristics of the prototype of the prototypical Bildungs Roman, a German a German word that essentially means a coming of age story. We have number one, a young boy, <coughs> who number two is more important than he initially initial initially realizes. Number three, sent on a journey. Number four, by a mentor. Number five, to seek the help of another. They have six, an antagonist. Number seven, who wants to do him harm slash kill him. And number eight, characters seen as bad who who will eventually help him think of the think who will eventually help him. Think of the Ents in Lord of the in L O T R, aka the Lord of the Rings, or Snape in Harry Potter. There are more there are more characteristics, but those will suffice. Essentially, C.S. Lewis is following a very, very old script. Here that a very very old script here that continues to show up today, and it shows up because despite the typically very predictable outcome, it is still a compelling story. That I agree. I agree with that. But spoiler alert: we can almost be guaranteed that Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, and Aslan will eventually come into the picture to restore Narnia to its former glory and thereby bring Prince, Prince Caspian to the Narnian throne, where he, will, where he will rule with peace, justice, and tranquility forever and ever until the next calamity. Amen. So this gets me thinking. Is a, story, is a story as predictable as this still compelling, exciting, readable, and enjoyable? I think the answer is yes. And I, too, also think the answer is yes. And the answer is yes, because the story is not about the destination, but about the journey along the way. It is about the characters who have suffered under the wrath of King Miraz, finding, finding freedom and the end of injustice in, in Narnia. It is about a boy who knows, what, who knows what is right and wants to do right, finally achieving the ability to do so and have a far-reaching impact on others. It is not just a story about what happens, but why it happens, who it impacts, and what the ramifications are. We might know the ending, we might know the ending, or perhaps I just I just think I do, but it is the journey that we are meant to enjoy. 
it, it is rather similar. It is rather similar to hiking a mountain. If it's not reaching the top, that is the only joy. But it is the journey along the way that is meant to be enjoyed. Or, el- or else, whatever is the point of making it to the peak. That was a good analysis uh, for sure. Um, there was some, definitely some wisdom uh, in that um, little analysis there or reflection. The reflection. There was some. There was a lot of wisdom in that reflection. So, uh, moving on to the final chapter analysis for today. I didn't say this in the um, <clears throat> in the uh, in the episode, but I just said the chapter name instead of saying, and I just said the chapter name and not the chapter number. So, print. This is Prince Caspian. Uh, chapter 6, The People That Lived in Hiding. Chapter Summary. This chapter centers around Trumpkin, Nickabrick, and Truffle Hunter, introducing Prince Caspian to all of the other talking beasts, the refugees the refugees of, the, of old Narnia, of old Narnia. The party of four visits the three bulgy bears, Patter, Twig, a squirrel, the seven brothers of the Shuddering Wood, Dwarves who give Caspian who give Caspian a new sword, and then the centaurs, and then the centaurs. The centaurs suggest that it suggest that it is time to go to war against King Miraz, and suddenly the prospect and suddenly the prospect of war of war is virtual is virtually inevitable. They leave the centaurs and then go to meet Reepicheep, who's a mouse and the leader of about ten other mice. All, all of these creatures were told that there would be a feast in council held at the dancing lawn three nights from then at midnight. That night, Trumpkin, Nickabrick, Truffle Hunter, and Caspian are awoken by music playing. Suddenly, a large group of fawns come into the clearing, dancing and playing music. Trumpkin, Truffle Hunter, and Caspian join them in their dance while Nickabrick, while Nick, Nickabrick, Sits off to the side. <clears throat> Reflection. You can't tell, but it has been about a week since I've written written a blog post. The summer the summer lull at work has ended, and I've been slowing down in my reading quite a bit. I hope to continue this one post per day schedule until I finish TCon, but it might not happen. We'll have to see. For now, I will carry on as usual. Speaking of lull, this chapter. How is that for a smooth? transition. In this chapter, we get to meet all of the lovable creatures of old, of old Narnia, who we now realize are refugees, who we now realize are refugees in their own land, basically. There's not a whole lot of, there is not a whole lot of substance to this chapter, aside from the descriptive detail of the living situations of the creatures that we meet, and the characteristics of the creatures themselves. In a way, it feels very similar to chapters of previous TCON books in which we are preparing for the onset of, of war. <clears throat> what I think is rather interesting is the willingness of the creatures of old, Narnia, of old Narnia to accept Prince Caspian as one of their own, as one of their own, despite the fact that he is a Telmarine, the very race of people that drove the old Narnians into hiding. They are abiding by the old idea that 
The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Caspian is the enemy of King Miraz and is therefore my friend. The only individual who seems to disagree with this general with this general guideline is Nickabrick, an untrusting dwarf who is really the holdout in accepting Prince Caspian. Absolutely, I agree with um I agree with that part for sure. Um so yeah, um yeah, Nickabrick is the only holdout and the only person who doesn't fully trust Prince Caspian. Like he, when when Prince Caspian was knocked out unconscious, he was the one pushing for the for Truffle Hunter and um and um uh and uh what's his name? Um and Trumpkin. He so Nickabrick was the only one pushing to kill Prince Caspian while the others uh, um, Truffle Hunter and, um, and, and Trumpkin, they didn't want to do it. They, 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 they didn't want to do it. So yeah, Nickabrick for sure, the only person holding, not willing to fully trust Prince Caspian is basically the whole gist of what I was saying and of what he was saying and what I was saying. So yeah. <clears throat> Nickabrick is some is shown as somewhat of a villain, even among the good guys. But after a little thought, his distrust is actually completely understandable. Yeah, he he does have a point there. He that he he does have a point. Here comes Prince Caspian on his galloping horse in the middle of the night when he is found by Trumpkin, Nickabrick, and Truffle Hunter. Prince Caspian tells his story, but what's to say he's being honest? Who's to say he isn't a spy? So it is most interesting that old Narnians seem to go on a gut instinct, minus Nickabrick. All of the signs point to Caspian being a potential spy or traitor, but there is an immediate trust of him that seems to be contagious throughout old Narnians. Perhaps it is because the time is simply, is simply right for a human to be king over Narnia again, which is what the centaurs seem to imply. Or perhaps the old Narnians just know a king when they see one by now? Whatever the reason, the talking beast of Narnia are a trusting group, and one that seems to have the instincts for loyalty and honesty. <coughs> Excuse me. Perhaps this was a gift given to them by Aslan when the world was young. Yeah, uh, that is the end of the reflection. Uh, so uh, yeah. Um, so one other thing, uh, I don't think I'm gonna continue with the reading the Venom script. Uh, that was just uh, something I wanted to. I only did that because I didn't want to uh, read the script like just on my own. So I don't think I'm gonna continue that as a series. I said I was gonna make it a series, but. Uh, no, I'm not doing that anymore. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So that's the, that's that. And then we, um, so the next episode, uh, for, so reading chapters six and seven, reading, no, reading chapter seven and eight of Prince Caspian is coming soon. And, um, yeah. So, uh, bye. So, um, you guys know how, um, on the channel, on the profile, it says, 
gonna read books and occasionally review uh, wrestling and music. Excuse me. Me, look at that again. I know. Let me close that. Me. So yeah, it says gonna be reading books and occasionally talking about wrestling and music. So yeah, so we talked about music with the uh, with the endangered species with the don't miss albums reactions reactions slash commentary to don't miss albums uh, episode two in the flaw endangered species. If you haven't, if you guys haven't seen that episode, go watch it and then catch up with all the uh, horse and his boy. Uh, um, go catch up if you uh. So, um, go watch, go catch up with this Chronicles of Narnia, uh, series read-through, uh, with the horse and his boy, and then, um, uh, catch up with a, catch up, and then go watch reaction slash commentary to Don't Miss Albums, episode two, Flaw, Endangered Species, and then, um, yeah, uh, and then, Catch up with Prince Caspian as well. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, back to the original point I was talking about. So, going to be reading books and occasionally talking about wrestling and music. So, I think we're going to do... No, I think we're going to, like, do a reaction slash commentary to, like, pay-per-view reviews or something like that. Maybe. If you guys would be interested in seeing that. um, I think that's what we're going to do. Maybe. So, yeah. So, um, next pay-per-view... Coming up for WWE is, um, I think is SummerSlam. So we're gonna be, we're gonna do, we're gonna watch the show ourselves, but then we're gonna do a reaction slash commentary to what everyone else thinks of the show. Uh, so yeah. Um, never mind. Let me just. Let me go to, oh, so let me just, um, okay, now we can, okay, so yeah, the, the pay-per-view before this was Money in the Bank, which was a very, um, it was, in my opinion, it's one of the weakest pay-per-views of the year so far, but I saw a video title that said Money in the Bank 2023 was very fun, and I was just like, what? I disagree. Uh, the show was just, it just, it was not the one. It's, um, if I was to do a pay-per-view ranking, it would be, like, in the bottom, for sure, for WWE pay-per-views. But, um, so we're going to start with SummerSlam. Uh, overall, I would say we're going to start with some, we're going to start with uh, doing a reaction slash commentary to, uh, uh, to SummerSlam. And, um, yeah, over, but overall, I would say the year for WWE has been very, for their pay-per-views, has been very average. Like, um, like, if I, if I go back to, if we go back, we're going to go all the way back to the first pay-per-view of the year. Let's go do, let's do that. Um... Let's let's go do that. Let's see. Um uh hmm. 
Okay. We have to go all the way. No, I'm just going to... I'm just going to do this instead. So, yeah. So, we have the Royal Rumble, which was very... Um, it was... The card was... Um, you had the... Um, you had Sami Zayn. See, um, you had Sami Zayn leaving the bloodline and turning on Roman Reigns in the bloodline. Uh, that was a that was that whole thing. The whole aftermath of the main event was um was good. That was good stuff. Um, let's go at the card though. Um, so yeah, there were there were there were five six matches. No, five matches. Yeah. So you had the world, the men's Royal Rumble to start the match. Uh, you had Cody Rhodes who last eliminated Gunther, but I refuse to call him Gunther. I refer to him as Walter, but um, I still refer to him as Walter. But that's besides the point. The Royal Rumble match this year, yeah, I I, I don't know, man. These Royal Rumble these Royal Rumble matches over these past few years just they have not been the one. Like the Royal Rumble match. It's some of people. It's some of people's favorite event of the year, and some of people's favorite match type. But, and in the past, the Royal Rumble was it was definitely a good event. Like, like there's there definitely, definitely, there've definitely definitely been some memorable uh, matches and moments from the Royal Rumble. There've definitely there've there. I'm sorry. Let me slow down. There've definitely been some memorable moments and matches from the Royal Rumble. Like, uh. And there, are some of the matches that have taken place at the Royal Rumble, like in the past, have been, you could say, potentially, potentially match match of the year contenders. But this year, it was very predictable because Kobe Rhodes, um, he was in the Royal Rumble match, and he, actually, this was his return, right? That um, Kobe Rhodes made his. This was his return match. Let me see. Uh. And also, very interestingly, this was the first time that the Royal Rumble match began the event. That usually does not happen, but it happened this year. Um, let me see. Uh, so yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, or maybe not his return. Uh, so never mind, but definitely it was very predictable that Rhodes was going to win. Uh, but yeah, so, um, so, uh, Kobe Rhodes last eliminated Walter, uh, to win the Royal Rumble match. And he became the fifth person to win the match from the third, number 30 position. Additionally, uh, Walter set a new record for longest time spent in a men's Royal Rumble match at 1 hour, 11 minutes, and 40 seconds in the second number one entrant after Stone Cold Steve Austin in 1999 to, emer- to emerge as runner-up. Next up, you had a... I don't even know what this nonsense was, but you had Bray Wyatt defeat LA Knight by pinfall in a Mountain Dew pitch black match. That was an embarrassment. I don't know what... That was, but it was it was something that um it was just I don't know what they were thinking with this, but um hopefully it's something we hopefully never see again, 
And uh, yeah, that's the end of that. Let's move on. Uh, next up, we have Bianca Belair defeat defeat Alexa Bliss by pinfall in a singles match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Don't remember much about this match. Um, yeah, uh, but Bianca Belair retained. Uh, next up, you have Rhea, Rhea Ripley won by a lot. Uh, uh, we had the 30 women Royal Rumble match, and Rhea Ripley won by last eliminating Liv Morgan. Uh, for the women's Royal Rumble match, it was fine. Um, uh, yeah, it was all right. And then we have the main event. Uh, Roman Reigns um, defeated uh, Kevin. Roman Reigns defended the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Kevin Owens, and this was a good match. Um, I, um, I, I, I never, I've never seen their uh, last man standing match from the Royal Rumble in 2021. But this match was this was a good match. Um, and then the aftermath, as I said, was good stuff as well. Um, so yeah, moving on. Next pay per view is Elimination Chamber, and I did not I I did not see Elimination Chamber twenty twenty three. Uh, but I know, I know people were big fans of the people liked the um, the main event. Um, so yeah. Um. And people also like the. I've seen high, people make highlights for the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE United States Championship and the main event. Um. So, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, the event continued WWE's streak of critical acclaim as critics unanim- unanimously praised the execution of the main event, with many deeming it a contender for WWE's match of the year. Wow. Wow. Very, very interesting. All right, moving on to WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Um, <clears throat> WrestleMania was very, um, it was very average. Um, it was, yeah, it was very average. Uh, it was, um, I don't know. It, this is not, if you like this WrestleMania, you know, uh, um, you know, just uh, good stuff. But for me, WrestleMania just was very eh. And the only matches from WrestleMania that were good, that I actually liked, were Seth freaking Rollins. No, not Seth freaking Rollins. That's a whole other conversation. I, I just call Seth Rollins Seth Rollins. I do not like that they have to call him Seth freaking Rollins, that they have to put freaking in his name. I do not like that. But that is a whole another conversation for another day. Um, but, yeah, uh, Seth, Seth Rollins defeated Logan Paul. Uh, that match was 16 minutes and 16 seconds. Uh, another match that I was looking forward to on the card was Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. And that match was very – it was disappointing. And people have made highlights for that match. But I just – I was – it, um, it ended up being a disappointing match, in my opinion, and um, yeah, so I I just, I didn't uh, think the match was, it didn't live up to the, to the, to the hype, in my opinion. Uh, next up, you have, uh, um, also, I should have said some of the notable, notable matches and also matches that I liked. So, the, the next notable match would be 
Charlotte Flair, who defended her SmackDown Women's Championship, SmackDown Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley, and people also made highlights for this match as well. And I, I just don't get it. Um, it was a good moment for Rhea Ripley to win the title, yes. Um, but the overall match, the overall match itself, it was kind of botchy. Like there were the some of the execution of some of the moves were. Um, if, if I remember correctly, some of the moves weren't delivered as well as they could have been, but I'm not a wrestler, so I don't, you know, but that's from what I saw they from watching the match. I just, I don't know. It just was not, um, it was not as good as it could have been because, uh, you know, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, you know, those two are, um, two of the, uh, uh, those two are very talented women wrestlers, and you know, their their match at WrestleMania it was all right. Uh, but Rhea Ripley winning the SmackDown Women's Championship that was that was a good moment. That was a good moment for her. But uh, yeah, um, and then we had the main event of Night One. You had the Usos, Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso, defending the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Now this was a good match. Um, it was a good match to end to end uh, night one of WrestleMania. And, uh, yeah, so I can understand why this match, why people made a highlight video for this match. It was a good match. Um, next up, on the next night, we had uh, the next notable match we had on night two. So night two of WrestleMania, the, one of the noticeable matches that I saw that, um, okay, the next noticeable match uh, that took place on night two of WrestleMania is Gunther defending the Intercontinental Championship, Intercontinental Championship in a triple threat match against Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. People were raving about this match, and I'm sorry to say, but I do not think it deserved the amount of praise it got. I'm sorry. I'm 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 very sorry, but just like people were raving about Gunther. Okay, um, Walter versus Sheamus for the for Walter defending the Intercontinental Championship against Sheamus um, at Clash of the Castle last year. I was not a fan. I, I thought the match was fine. Um, the match the at that same event you had Seth Rollins against Matt Riddle in what I thought was easily the match of the night on that card. Um, I just Gunther versus Sheamus, as I said, it was fine. Like, it wasn't a bad match, but it certainly was not a match of the year contender. I would say Seth Rollins versus Matt versus Matt Riddle was match of the year contender, but that's just me. And then we had um the next noticeable match on. So, yeah, this triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship, it was, it was fine. Uh, you know, it just, I just, it, it was, it was all right. So, yeah. Next noticeable match, uh, you had uh, Edge, who you had the Demon Finn Balor face Edge in a Hell in a Cell match. Uh, this match was, um, I was not looking forward to this match at all, uh, surprisingly, even though I like both of the talents involved, but I was not looking forward to it that much. Um, the only one, so the match kind of turned into a disaster because, um, because, uh, uh, Finn Balor actually he um he actually got a a concussion. He he um like he he um so 
I believe, I think Edge, like, threw a, uh, um, he, let me see. Um, yeah, so after delivering the kill switch on Balor, Edge threw a ladder onto Balor, which busted him open. And that kind of stalled the match. That had the, the match had to come to a stop for, for a few moments. So the, the medics could attend to Balor. But um yeah, so that kinda so yeah, that that um you know that killed the momentum of the, of the match, even though I in the actual match I was not that interested in what was going on in the match. Um but uh yeah, so um the moment of the match, in my opinion, came when uh, Edge performed an execution on Balor off a ladder for a near fall. Balor then attacked Edge with a kendo stick and placed him on the table. Balor then climbed to the wall of the cell and attempted an elevated coup de, gra- coup de gras, only for Edge to move out of the way, and Balor crashed through the table. So, yeah, that was the moment of the match, even though it would have been a little cooler if, if Finn Balor actually hit the move, but... It was still a cool moment, even though Finn Balor missed. Uh, so now we have the main event. Oh, ooh, I have a lot to say about this one. In the main event, you had Roman Reigns defending the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Kobe Rhodes. I was actually, um, I was not looking forward to this match. I was more looking forward to... Uh, seeing, I, most people were most looking forward to seeing if Kobe Rhodes was going to finish the story uh, and win the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. And then the match actually didn't turn out that bad. Uh, match was actually going well. Uh, but then, um, and it looked like, because Kobe Rhodes performed two crossroads, and it looked like he was about to win. But, um... As Rhodes was preparing for a third cross Rhodes, Heyman distracted the referee, allowing Sokoa to sneak in and perform the Samoan spike on Rhodes. Reigns finished the match with another spear on Rhodes, thus retaining the titles. So yeah, um, yeah, there's that. And that pretty much just that that um people that pretty much, you know, killed it for people. Cause it was like, are you serious? Like they thought um, that, that, um, the match that Cody Rhodes was going to finish the story, but it didn't happen. And Cody Rhodes is still claiming that he wants to finish the story. So who knows when that's going to happen, but, uh, yeah. So that was, uh, no, that was, um, WrestleMania. Sorry for that. Um, uh, so that was WrestleMania. And um, moving on to the next pay-per-view. Uh, so we're going all over the place with, the, with this podcast. First, we finished, we had to wrap up the Don't Miss Albums thing. And then we had to... Uh, um, and then we had to... Um, what do you call it? Uh, um, we had to uh, do the reflection... The summary and reflections for Prince Caspian, and now we're talking about wrestling, the wrestling paper, wrestling pay per views. Um, the next pay per view we had was Backlash, um, 
and this was the event the event to, the event took place on Saturday, May 6, 2023 at the Coliseo de Puerto Rico Jose Miguel Aguilar in San Juan, Puerto Rico. This was the first WWE pay-per-view held in Puerto Rico since New Year's Revolution in January 2005 and the second backlash event held outside the continental United States following the 2004 event. After the previous two years were titled, in my opinion, ridiculously, WrestleMania Backlash, the 2023 event reverted to its original name while still maintaining its post-WrestleMania concept with the 2023 event based around the backlash from WrestleMania 39. Uh, in my opinion, WrestleMania Backlash should have never been a thing. It should have never existed. It should have been Backlash, and that's the end of that. Uh, so for Backlash, that was a very average show. Um the match of the night, which was I, I was not expecting, but it was actually the opener. Uh, you had Bianca Belair def- defending the WWE Raw Women's Championship against EO Sky, and their match was 18 minutes, and it was the match of the night. Nothing else topped it. Uh, next up, you had Seth Frickin' Rollins defeated Omos with MVP by pinfall. Uh, yeah. I was like, when I first heard that this was Seth Rollins' opponent, I was like, Seriously, this is who they have Seth Rollins facing on the next pay per view. Why? Like, and it was so predictable as well. Like, of course, Seth Rollins is gonna win the match. Like, come on now. But Seth Rollins ended up winning, and uh, yeah. Um, and then next up, the most the 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 next noticeable match uh, from the card is Bad Bunny defeat Damian Priest by pinfall in the San Juan Street Fight, and. People were raving about this match, and I just don't see it. Like, I watched the match, and I thought it was fine. Like, people have made highlights. Two highlights videos have came out for it recently. And, excuse me, and I was just like, seriously? This is, why? Why? It's not, it was fine. Like, I, I, like, I just, I don't get it. Um, but it was, it was all right. Um, it was all right. Um. So, yeah, um, and then in the main event, your Cody Rhodes defeated Brock Lesnar by pinfall in the singles match. It was basically, so, uh, the ending of the match had, um, uh, the ending of the match, Lesnar reversed into an F5 for a near fall. Well, as Rhodes attempted a third cross Rhodes, Lesnar reversed into an F5 for a near fall. In the end, as Lesnar applied the Kamora lock on Rhodes, Rhodes countered by shifting his weight into a leverage pin on Lesnar to win the match, and, yeah, even though technically Lesnar's both both of Lesnar's shoulders were not fully on the mat, but that's besides the point. So Kobe won that match, um, the first match of their uh, soon-to-be trilogy. Uh, so yeah, moving on from Backlash, we have Night of Champions, which was a very average pay-per-view. Um, the um, what I what I was expecting to be the match of the night turned out to be very disappointing, considering the two top that there were two top tier talents in the match. It was the opener. The opening match of the card was the tourn- the tournament final for the inaugural World Heavyweight Championship. It was Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles, and the match was twenty minutes and forty seconds. And yeah, as I said, the match was disappointing considering the the two people, the two talents involved. And uh, at least in my opinion, I thought it was disappointing. And, um, yeah, and people made highlight videos for this match as well. And I'm just like, 
I don't see it, but, you know, I, I haven't seen their Money in the Bank 2019 match yet, so I don't know if it's better than this. So, for right now, I have nothing to compare this match at Night of Champions to because I haven't seen the Money in the Bank match yet, but I will watch it soon. Uh, the next noticeable thing we had, we had uh, the we had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn facing the Bloodline, Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa, um, in a tag team match for the Undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. Uh, and the match was 26 minutes and 26 seconds. And basically what happened in this match was the, the, it, it was, it, the, the match itself was actually not that bad. Um, but it was what happened after the match that had people talking. So what happened here was that, um, Owens atop with the referee down, Owens attempted a pop-up powerbomb to Reigns through the announce tape, through the announce table, but the Usos, Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso stopped him. The Usos then delivered multiple super kicks to Zayn. As they attempted another super kick, they unintentionally hit Sokoa, which Reigns saw infuriating him. After shoving both Usos around, Jimmy retaliated and delivered two super kicks to Reigns, and along with Jay, they, retre they retreated, allowing Owens and Zayn to hit a stunner slash halluva kick combination to Sokoa to retain the to retain the titles. Um and I'm what I'm looking at here, um, um so uh yeah. Um another noteworthy thing that happened on the show is Brock Lesnar won the second match of the trilogy. He defeated Kobe Rhodes by technical submission, even though I still don't understand how Kobe Rhodes passed out in the Kimura lock, um, but that's besides the point. He could, to avoid that, to avoid logic, you could have just had Brock Lesnar beat beat Kobe Rhodes with the F five and pin him for the one two three. But you know, you know, um, it, it happens like that sometimes. So yeah, um, so yeah, um, yeah. So the main event, the aftermath, good stuff, um, and then finally. We have Money in the Bank, um, which is the most recent WWE pay-per-view. Uh, some some things to know. This was the first Money in the Bank to be held outside the United States as well, as WWE's first major event to be held in London since insurrection in May 2002 and England in general since insurrection in June 2003. So, yeah, uh, seven matches were contested at the event. So the most noteworthy things that happened at the event, uh, you had Damian Priest uh, defeated defeated Butch, aka Pete Dunn. I prefer to call him Pete Dunn, so I'm gonna say Damian Priest defeated Pete Dunn, L.A. Knight, Logan Paul, Ricochet, Santos Escobar, and Shinsuke Nakamura in a very average Money in the Bank ladder match to open up the show, and the London crowd was seriously hoping for L.A. Knight to win, like they. Anything LA Knight did in the match, they the London crowd was hot for LA Knight. Like they were cheering him on and they were seriously invested in in um LA Knight um uh winning the potentially winning the money in the bank briefcase. Uh the next noble thing that happened on the card. Uh in a match I was actually looking forward to, you had Seth Rollins 
defeated Finn Balor by pinfall in the singles match for the World Heavyweight Championship. The Money to Bank Live match was 20 minutes and 26 seconds, and the World Heavyweight Championship match was 12 minutes and 30 seconds, and it was very disappointing. Ah, uh, just seriously. You have two of the t- two top tier talents involved, and once again, they fail to deliver. Like, why? I mm, so irritating. But yeah, their match was fine. And then you have the main event. The main event was fine. The most noteworthy thing that happened in the match, they the tagline was the Bloodline Civil War tag team match. the The main event was fine. Uh um. Basically, so, like, the most noteworthy thing that happened in the match is during the kick. So, let's see. Um, Back in the ring, Jay performed a super kick on Reigns, who followed up with a spear with a spear on Jay for a near fall. During the kick out, Jay performed a low blow on Reigns, which the referee did not see, which Reigns used to do. The Usos then performed super kicks on Reigns and Sokoa, and finally... Jay performed a frog splash on Reigns and pinned him to win the match. This marked Reigns' first pinfall loss since TLC tables, ladders, and chairs in December 2019. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That is the overall recap. So, the main event was fine. Money in the Bank was fine. Uh, you know, people liked the show. Like, as I said earlier, I think I said earlier that um, people thought, that this video title said it was, it was a fun match, but I disagree, and I'm gonna have to wrap this up. So yeah, we'll come gonna come back with a reaction slash commentary to SummerSlam very soon when SummerSlam happens. So 